Diet Coke is an unacceptable breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, coffee. Diet Lots of coffee. coffee. Oh my god, that's terrible! It's you not- have to drink water. You have to, if you're gonna drink that, you have to drink three times that in water. <laughs> I know. I'm I'm really bad. I don't oh like the taste of water. You gotta oh, hydrate. <laughs> Too right. much caffeine. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Jesuitical, a podcast by the joyfully young, hopefully hip, and expectantly lay editors of America Media. That lay part means we aren't Jesuits, but we work with them. Join us each week for a smart Catholic take on faith, culture, and the news, often over drinks. I'm Ashley McKinless, and I'm joined by Olga Segura. Hey guys. And Zach Davis. Do you think we're delivering on the smart part of the smart Catholic take? that we're promising people. Oh, I know I am. I think we're fun. I don't, but I sometimes question whether. <laughs> I think, I think. I'm, just, wow. I'm, just, I'm like. Sometimes I'm like, I don't, I don't know. know. You not feeling smart enough is not a reflection on us being smart enough. All right, Happy I'm sorry. Easter, Zach. Happy Easter. On Happy Easter note. to you too. Happy Easter, you guys. Yes. Oh, goodness. Yeah. How were you guys' Easter? It was pretty good. Had a wonderful time with my family. How about you guys? I also had a you wonderful in time homeland? in the homeland of Ohio. I can't believe you've got me calling Ohio the homeland. The homeland. <laughs> I know. I'm like, Ashley, that sounds weird coming from you. See, this is the smart part I'm talking about. <laughs> and you were also with family, Ashley? Yes, I was uh, in Virginia and it was lovely. Um, and you know what this means. I do know what this means. What's on tap, Zach? Well, it means we can drink again. Finally, event uh, is over. Yes. And so in celebration, we picked a celebratory yeah. drink. Prosecco? Bubbly. Yeah. Bubbly. Ooh. Rings of, you know, bubbles rising up, Jesus rising <laughs> like from Jesus. the dead. <laughs> uh, See, there's that, there's that smart take on our drink. <laughs> yes. So uh, he is risen. Alleluia. Alleluia. We are Easter people Woo. and Prosecco is our drink. Mm-hmm. All right, and who are we talking to this week, Olga? So this week, we're kind of excited. So, you know, we are a podcast for young Catholics, and we try to bring you a smart Catholic take on Catholic stuff, but that doesn't always mean we've got Catholic guests. We featured the host of Unorthodox in the past, Mm -hmm. the Reverend Broderick Greer, and this week, we are very excited to welcome Sarah Silverman. Wait, like like (laughs) the Sarah Silverman? Like the Sarah Silverman, like the comedian host of I Love You America on Hulu, Sarah Silverman. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. So I can't believe this actually worked out. How did this happen, Zach? Uh, she was Sarah was tweeting about uh, how much she loved the Jesuits, and so I just tweeted at her and was like, "Hey, come on, Jesuitical show, and tell us why you love the Jesuits." We didn't mention that we weren't actually Jesuits mm-hmm. until she was on yeah. the show. Yeah, um, but she still talked to us. We have a great mm-hmm. conversation with Sarah. Um, really engaging. Uh, I'm, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. And if you're just listening to us for the first time, because hopefully Sarah Silverman tweeted this out, um, <laughs> welcome to Jesuitical. We're so happy you're here. Uh, our show has three parts, a Signs of the Times, where we talk about the Catholic news, an interview, and then some faith sharing. So we hope you come back. Yes. <laughs> but first, let's get to the, before we get to the interview with Sarah, we yes. should start the first part of our show. Yes. Signs of the Times, the part of the show where we sift through the Catholic news of the week so you don't have to. This Sunday, Pope Francis delivered his annual Easter address um, saying that Christ's resurrection is the true hope of the world and then praying for peace in specific places in the world uh, where we see ongoing conflicts. And he's not just picking random places, correct? He's picking places where he's paying attention to the tragic events happening in these parts of the world. Right. And so he named uh, eight different countries, but at the top of his list um, were Syria and the Holy Land. Syria, where we're now in the seventh year 
of a really tragic civil war that recently, um, in just the past two months, over 300 civilians have been killed. Um, and then in the Holy Land, you know, we're in the, you know, we've had seven decades of seemingly, seemingly, uh, intractable conflict between the Palestinians, um, and Israel. And this weekend that came to a flashpoint, uh, in Gaza. Right. This past Friday, protests at the border left 18 people dead and more than 700 wounded. Yeah. And these were Palestinians who were protesting, um, at the border between Israel and Gaza, uh, for their right to the return to, uh, what is now Israel. Um, so we're not going <laughs> to try to solve this mm-hmm. conflict right mm-hmm. now. It's extremely complicated, but clearly Pope Francis is paying attention to it and he wants the world to pay attention to it. This address is called Orbi et Orbi, which means Rome and the world. Um, so this is not a message that he just wants to get to Catholics, but to all people of goodwill who, who would like to see, uh, an end to these, these terrible conflicts throughout the world. What's our next story, Zach? So this week we marked the 50th anniversary of uh, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s assassination. Uh, 50 years ago, he was in Memphis to support a uh, sanitation worker protest. um, And he was murdered um, while he was standing on the balcony Mm -hmm. of his hotel room. Since since it's like you said, it's been 50 years. He's been arguably the most famous figure in the civil rights movement. So he's campaign. He's advocated for sanitation rights. He founded the Southern Christian Leadership Conference and he led the March on Washington just to list some of his many accomplishments. And he's been a fantastic symbol of hope for so many people, including Pope Francis, correct? Yeah, that's right. The anniversary reminds us that Pope Francis, this is one of his his idols, really. Uh, he he. Pope Francis brought up Martin Luther King Jr. as one of the three Americans in a speech to Congress when he was here in the United States, but also in major papal documents, he's referenced Dr. King's words, even in Amoris Laetitia. Um, And so Pope Francis is among the many admirers of Mm -hmm. Dr. King. Yeah. And for me, what I think one of the blessings or, you know, important parts of having this anniversary is I think a lot of us, we learned about Martin Luther King, maybe in a unit in school as a civil rights hero. Um, but I think an anniversary like this, even I'm learning new things like, you know, at the end of his life, it wasn't just civil rights. It was economic inequality and militarism that Mm -hmm. Martin Luther Mm -hmm. King was, um, was fighting against. Uh, so very much relevant to, you know, we can listen to the Pope's words and be like, oh yeah, we can pray for peace in Syria and, and, you know, Venezuela and all Mm -hmm. these places, but like, let's be realistic. Like, you know, war is going to happen, but Martin Luther King shows that like nonviolent action is an important thing that we need to continue talking about and, you know, seeing what does it mean in a place like Syria or yeah, Gaza. I, I do remember learning about uh, MLK as a kid and it being sort of, we read the picture books and we talk about it in elementary school and it was always this sort of thing that happened and it was sad that he was uh, killed, but it's all better now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's reflected. You know, studies show that like sixty percent of white people don't actually think that there's uh, that black people experience like structural disadvantage mm-hmm. in this country. Um, so it's even the way that we teach our children about Dr. King. You know, just because race relations in this country it's a complicated matter it doesn't mean that we have to like lie to our kids about it, right? Yeah, no, I think I think that's a fantastic point, Zach. I think that we like to talk about. MLK as this wonderful figure who 
was very much, and you were right, Ashley, he was very much an advocate of nonviolence, nonviolent protests. That was the number one way that he thought we would achieve liberation and equality for black Americans. But what a lot of people forget is that MLK was also very radical. And he was also like, you know, yes, nonviolence is the way forward, but we can't ignore that. Yes, if people are rioting in the streets, it's for a reason. People Mm -hmm. don't just riot out of nowhere, you know? And I think one of the things that I always find interesting is that when people try to sort of say MLK would be disappointed in the Black Lives Matter movement because Mm -hmm. they're thugs and they're rioting. And it's like, okay, you can quote his I have a dream speech, but you're also forgetting the part where he says, you know, yes, nonviolence is a way to go, but we can't ignore the fact that black Americans are victims of severe police brutality. Mm -hmm. And this was something he was preaching in the 60s, and it has not changed 50 years since he's died. No, and it reminds us of, you know, situations that are happening all over the country, but most recently in Sacramento. Yeah, so last month, Stefan Clark was shot in Sacramento um, by police officers. He was unarmed in his grandmother's backyard. Police police were responding to a call that said someone was breaking into cars and they thought he fit the profile. So they shot him, I think it was 15 to 20 times. And they said at first they thought he had a gun, but he didn't. He just had a cell phone and he was in the yard of his grandmother's house where he lived. You know, So clearly the perception that black Americans are dangerous has not changed from MLK's time, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, I mean, the president actually tweeted this morning, like he's he's proud of the way that Dr. King united people in this country. And I think like if you look at the actual history, you know, the, the actions that Dr. King uh, was taking at the time were righteous and they drove people apart. Actually, he was not super popular. He was a lot of areas. Like, he, a lot of Americans were not happy with him. He was targeted by the FBI. So it wasn't as if the government was hailing him as this wonderful American to follow, you know, so it's. Like you were saying. And so uh, to think about when you're when there are divisive matters of protest, whether it's Black Lives Matter or uh, kneeling during the Pledge of Allegiance, all these different things that protest not isn't always meant to bring people together. It's, in fact, almost never yeah, meant no. to bring people together. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. It's supposed to shine a light on injustice. Um, so people are spurred to action. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that makes people uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. What's next, Zach? So our next story centers around one of today's most talked about, um, most focused on areas of injustice, uh, which is the refugee crisis. So, yes, Joan Rosenhauer is the first woman to lead the Jesuit refugee services in its almost 40 year history. Yeah. And it comes at a time when there are 65 million refugees. Uh, So this has, uh, you know, she has her work cut out for her coming into this position now. Yeah. Not only does it come at a time when uh, we have more refugees in the world since the aftermath of World War II, but also it's at a point where a lot of people are re-examining the role of women in the church and questioning if the church is doing enough to put them in positions of leadership and decision-making. And so this is a, a really important development in that area as well. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's exciting that she's going to be leading because she's very she says, we what kind of Catholics would we be if we didn't care about these people? Uh, Olga, what's our next story? So we could not end the show without commenting on the NCAA tournament has finished and Villanova and Notre Dame are the champions. Villanova for men's Notre Dame for women's basketball. Yes, Woo! we were. Whether we liked it or not, we all became <laughs> NCAA basketball fans with our live show at Loyola Chicago last week while they were playing in the Sweet 16 mm-hmm. in the Elite Eight. Um, yeah. I was watching basketball all weekend. I was obviously sad that the Ramblers did yeah. not mm-hmm. make it uh, to the championship game, but also just very proud of what they did to shine a light on uh, Jesuit schools, um, Sister Jean's, 
moment in the spotlight, but also very exciting that this is the first time ever that two Catholic schools have won the men's and the women's tournament. This is amazing. And it happened during on Easter weekend. Like, yeah, after Notre Dame won, uh, Notre Dame's coach, Muffet McGraw, uh, pointed out like, hey, it's Easter and all the Catholics were praying for us. (laughs) So. So congratulations to Notre Dame and Villanova. So today, we're pleased to welcome Sarah Silverman. She is a comedian and host of I Love You America. Welcome to Jesuitical, Sarah. Hello. Good to be here. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming yeah, on. We're, we're so excited We're super, to to super excited. So to give our <laughs> listeners a little, a little bit of context, we saw you tweeting about the Jesuits, and you seem to really, really love them. You even had Father Greg Boyle, uh, founder of Homeboy Industries, on your show. So can you tell us a little bit about what appeals to you about the Jesuits? You know, I don't know a lot about... Jesuits, except what I'm learning, but um, everyone I, every Jesuit I meet, I find that I adore, and I just love the bringing emotion and feelings and intellect together. You know, mm-hmm. it, it appeals to me, and I fell in love with um, with Father Greg, and uh, and one thing that he said, you know, with every interview I do on the show, I'm I'm fundamentally left changed and him especially you know he said to me if if you're a stranger to your own wound then you are going to be tempted to despise the wounded and it it made sense in a billion different ways to me and I I think of it daily in different scenarios and it it changed me you know it's it, it really inspired me. And did that help for the the type of conversations that you're trying to have on your show? Because you're talking to all kinds of people, not just Jesuits, you know, a lot of people who voted for Trump, <laughs> school teachers. Um, is, is that influenced how you're going forward with it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, the show is about connecting with people. And, the you know, what I've learned more than anything is, especially in a time where we're so divided, even... Within the division, there's division, you know. Right. I see on the, I see on the left and I'm sure on the right, just, just infighting and infighting and, and then between the left and the right, I mean, we're, you know, ultimately, I feel like we are at our root. We're, we're the same, you know, we just have different sets of pain that we're covering with anger, you know, or that mm-hmm. we're transferring into outward anger. So one thing I really learned was, you know, stealing facts, polls, poll numbers, these kind of things, um, <laughs> as much as maybe they should, don't change minds. If anything, people dig in deeper to what they they need to believe, you know. Right. And um, I find myself doing it. I find myself doing it, too, you know. Um, it's, it's not like them with a capital T. It's yeah. us, mm-hmm. you know, and all of us. But what does change people is feeling, because that's all we are, you know. And um, so for me, like, when I go and I, I would rather connect with someone, you know, instead of keeping their porcupine needles up in mine, too, you know, which is always what I call defensive, because it just <laughs> visually makes more sense to me. 
I'd rather just connect on uh, anything. Like, oh, you watch Walking Dead? So do I. Oh, my God. I hated Carol in the beginning. Now she's my everything. Oh, yeah. It doesn't matter, you know? Or you've had an experience of maybe pooping your pants. That was I thought that was a brilliant way to break down some areas <laughs> of <Trump voters. laughs> That's exactly it. I you know, I went to many old Texas where um I, you know, I think ninety uh, percent of the population there of a very small I think we have three thousand people in your town voted for Trump. And um and I guess apparently like they have their own Facebook page where that before I came they were saying I shouldn't be allowed to come and blah 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 blah. But then talking one on one you know, everyone's just a person. And yeah. they all the only reason I found out about that Facebook page was because they were like, I didn't I feel like <laughs> doing a southern accent is wrong, but they actually did have southern accents. But I do ter- I do terrible accents, but they're like, I-, I disagreed with the Facebook page. I thought they should let you come and I'm like you know what I mean? It, it, everything melts away once you're together and you're just people, mm-hmm. you know. And um yeah, so I said I, I went in thinking, whatever happens, I know that we can connect on something that is the most human <laughs> thing, which is everyone has some sort of humiliating pooping story. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So so religion generally, it, you know, it can be a divisive thing. So in a show where you're trying to bring people together, it might seem counterintuitive to bring that into the conversation. Um, but have you found that talking to people about their religion and trying to engage them in that way um, can be helpful and healing? I mean, well, you know, in that trip, uh, we had a laugh because I was talking to these guys in a firehouse and I said, um, so if, if, if Jesus comes back, will you recognize him? Because I keep thinking, like, if Jesus does come back, he'll either be shot or put in a mental hospital. Oh, totally. <laughs> and I said, will you recognize? And he said, of course. And I said, I'm Jesus. He said, no, you're not. And I went, no. <laughs> you know, we just laugh. But, you know, we don't, you know, even with the people of religion that, you know, it, it, that's a kind of different section of the show than the interviews. The interviews I do are with people, and the kind of common thread is people who have been changed, mm-hmm. which really could be anyone, but, like, have kind of fundamental changes. We had Megan Phelps Roper on our first episode who grew up in the Westboro Baptist Church. Right. And, um, and Christian Picciolini, who, who is a, a skinhead Nazi, um, who now helps people leave extremist groups. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Father Greg and my sister, who's a rabbi. Ah. And, yeah. uh, you know, as a, as a pretty godless person myself, I, I see God, whatever that is, in these people who let themselves be changed by new information, by, being open. One thing I did want to ask you, so it seems like you love the guy Jesus, like in your skit, um, Jesus in a sandwich shop, you you, you present this very cool, um, loving uh, Jesus. So as someone, you, you know, if you said godless or atheist, I'm not exactly sure if you would identify as that. Why, why do you want to, de- or feel like you want to defend Jesus against those who might misuse his name? Well, I'm moved by the, by the, by Jesus, by the teachings of Jesus that I know, you know, you know, I'm sure you can always dig up the way Jesus, you should, you know, whatever. I'm not, I, I, you know, I, I try not, to, I try to be very open, but when I, um, meet vulnerable people who are, um, um, Christian, I, I always 
and I, <laughs> you guys will not like this probably, but I, I always want to say, you know, I, 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 here's an example. I recorded a song with this band, Walk Off the Earth, who are really fun. Oh, yeah. You should check them out. And, um, the, uh, producer, who is this brilliant guy named Tokyo, um, it, it, he, he said something like, you know, oh, what the cuss, man, or something like that. And I went, what? You know, and, and they go, oh, yeah, he doesn't swear. And I go, oh, I love that. And he goes, yeah. And they said, he's really religious and he goes to church. And I go, Oh, I, I said, wow, you know, I, you know, and I said, um, but I promise you there's no hell. I, I just, I don't want you to live a life where you are afraid of hell. <laughs> and I, I know that you guys, I, that must be a part of, that's a part of Catholicism, but I. Hell is I, still I, there I, for Catholics, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I just, I, my heart breaks for, for, to live life that way because I, to me, I, I like to, do good and be good and be open and and operate out of love as much as I can and read out, you know correct myself when I don't and stuff. But I don't do it out of fear. Well, uh, that's actually that's actually health. a very Jesuit way of approaching it. Like you can Jesuits are really big on discernment and making decisions in an informed way. And one of the most basic rules is that like you should never decide things out of fear. You should never do actions out of fear. You should only do them out of love, out of a desire for good. So that actually gels yeah. pretty well with the Ignatian charism. Yeah, yeah. Because it's just that, you know, I grew up going to church many times because I grew up in New Hampshire and uh, it's a very church-loving, you know, there were no Jews there. I mean, mm-hmm. our family thought being Jewish meant being a Democrat because that's, <laughs> that was how we were different. <laughs> And I remember people saying, like, what are Jews doing in New Hampshire? And I was like, well, even New Hampshire needs retail. <laughs> but, um, you know, I went to church many times and, and because I would, if I slept over my friend's house on a Saturday, I would. You were getting dragged there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, um, it was, uh, I, I couldn't believe how terrifying it was. <laughs> like, the, I, even as a kid, I was like, this is, but this, is terror. This is like a horror movie. I mean, the threats of hellfire and were were so scary to me. And I just, I, I childhood to me was so terrifying without that. Yeah. Um, that I just, I, I get scared for people who believe in hell. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's okay. Um, I just, I, 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 to me, it's so not Jesus-y. <laughs> yeah. Know? I mean, I don't think Jesus wants anyone in hell. <laughs> Yeah, and hey, listen, you know, you can murder a hundred people and then go, I, I accept Jesus and not go to hell, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. sort of the that's sort of the beautiful thing. I mean, like, Catholics don't really yeah. say whether or not for sure anyone is in hell, mm-hmm. right? That's because that sort of puts, if we believe God's mercy is limitless, and if we say, oh, this person is for sure in hell, yeah, then yeah. that sort of limits mm-hmm. the limitless. There's a there's a brilliant comedian, Al Lubell, who has a, he has a, I remember he had jokes, uh, he said, um, Jews don't believe in hell, but that just means that if we go to hell, we'll just be there going, I don't believe it. <laughs> I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I'm in hell. I'm in hell with Hitler. The only thing worse than that is if Hitler isn't there. And then you're like, oh my God, where's Hitler? Yeah. Um, What's worse than that? Yeah. <laughs> well, Sarah, just to put it into some, to give you a bit of my own anecdote, I grew up Catholic in the Bronx and we did not talk about hell, about hell uh, in the churches no, that I went to. Never? I, no, I didn't start Ooh. hearing about hell in sermons until I started dating my Protestant boyfriend and I started going to his churches. Yeah. So it's always shocking yeah, to me well, to hear people. Yeah, Protestant, New Hampshire. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. So you, you talked a little bit about, you know, like the desire for the show is to find people who have changed. Um, what are some of the ways that you've changed or you've, you've sort of come around on different things? I, I, well, I can tell you, I mean, you know, listen, uh, this, this concept of liberal bubble, mm-hmm. um, I understand it as something that's very, very real. You know, mm-hmm. I, I went to have family dinner with a family in Chalmette, Louisiana, who all voted for Trump and who um, had never met a Jew. They had to Google Jew. (laughs) It was funny, the brandy, uh, the kind of matriarch was like, Adam Levine is one. (laughs) 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 But, uh, you know, all of us going into it, go into it with preconceived notions, just like any of us do with anything that is unknown, because our brains just kind of fill in the stuff we we don't know, you know? And so I was thinking, oh, they must get their news from Fox News and Breitbart and Blaze and, you know, all these kind of outlets that are, I see as, um, <laughs> having, as, as not being news. And, You're trying and, so and hard to be charitable think, with that. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Um, have agendas and I'm sure they see MSNBC being very agenda driven, mm-hmm. you know, or, or any mainstream news. CNN or the New York Times or, you know, and, uh, and so I, in my head, I thought, you know, I would say, look, we get our news from different sources and maybe we're kind of believing wholeheartedly in, in two different sets of lies or truths, you know, but we're both good, we're, we're good people believing what is being said to us. Right. And, um, what I found was they are, and I'm not saying they as an all-encompassing thing, this family and the people I met also in Mineola, they're not taking in news. They they won the election, you know, their guy won and they have checked out and mm-hmm. and they really aren't concerned with anything that doesn't come straight to their front door. Hmm. And, uh, you know, people might think that's a... a like a clash, you know, like, well, they can't afford to be worried about the world globally. And, and I call BS on that because I come from, you know, my, the O'Hara side of my family, especially, you know, um, my mother married a, an Irish Catholic man, John O'Hara, the greatest man I ever knew. Mm-hmm. Um, also my dad, they, they come in their ties, <laughs> but, um, his whole family who I'm close with, you know, my step-siblings and every, you know, they, they're working class, they struggle, they, they, you know, they'll have a hard time getting jobs, this and that, and they're very liberal and very, you know, look out for their fellow man and have always been, you know, LGBTI advocates before the I, of course, more and after, you know, but, um, mm-hmm. that's a new one, but, um, I don't think it's a, it's a like, oh, you know, caring about the world is a luxury of the rich or something. Right. That's, that's not true at all, you know, but, but I, but they aren't, they don't, they're not, um, thinking about the world outside their front door. And the interesting thing is a lot of things come to their front door as well, you know, so I said, who here, you know, you know, like where she, Brandy believes that Obama, uh, just handed out money to everyone and was also from not America, <laughs> not from America. And, you know, all the rumors, like she took as truth. And, you know, I have to understand my side of that and my world as well, you know, and, and, um, but she also, when I said who here believes in climate change, they all raised their hands. 
because they're crab fishermen and they see yeah. with their mm-hmm. eyes the sea level rising. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. So it was just it was interesting. It's you know it's it, right. Do I agree with, you know, am I now, like, changed and believe what they believe? No, mm-hmm. but I love them as people, and I think of them often, and the little boy Blaze, I mm-hmm. I ache for. Right. Um, and also, Sarah, you, you don't just go out and engage with people out in the world, but you also have active dialogue with people on social media. So do you kind of see that as a way to kind of change people's minds and to try to change, you know, someone who might be conservative to liberal or vice versa. I, I was or so someone mo- who calls you a C word. And- yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was so moved by that, inter- yeah, that, that whole amazing. interaction where that guy is like, I'm, I'm hurting. You sort of uncovered this wound that he had. Yeah. A lot of people would not be able to do that. You know, the funny thing is it was, it, 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 I, I get embarrassed by it because, well, first of all, I, I talk to him every single day, <laughs> constantly. Oh, wow. Um, so, but, but, it, um, it it wasn't it didn't feel heroic. It was easy. I mean, it was you know I, I was walking my dog and I saw he just written the c word and I and I don't see it most of you know I it, you know every once in a while I look and I see stuff but um and I clicked on it and I clicked on him and I read his tweets and they were just rage it just clearly to me just excruciating pain yeah. expressed mm-hmm. in rage and yeah. and you know it's, i did a monologue on my show that and something i think about all the time is that that conceit of like he just wants attention don't give it to him and i think what hmm. what two crueler sentences could there ever be <laughs> wow. like, like sensing someone's human yeah. need and being mm-hmm. disgusted by it so writing that back took nothing from me it felt good it fed me if anything mm-hmm. and then it made him feel good I mean mm-hmm. like to me like I never understand people there who who have such a hard time saying sorry or um or being wrong like it's always such a great opportunity and even like you know when I mess up driving which I do often and <laughs> You know, someone looks at me so angry. I mean, the first thing I do is roll down the window and go, Oh, God, I'm so sorry. Stop. Uh, <laughs> you know, I almost killed you. That's not what I do. <laughs> but, like, it, it's very exciting to see the energy in someone change. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you know that stuff on the road driving, it's so catchy. Energy. That angry energy. You, you get it, and then you are filled with it, and then you pass it on. And But, but joy and love. I mean, it sounds so corny, but like, it's the same thing. It's energy and it, it's catchy as well, you yeah. know? So the second I, you know, I'm show vulnerability and, and it sounds manipulative and maybe there's a part of it that is, but it's, it's the intent is just joy and, or love or, you know, and it's like you see people, you know, they look at you like they are going to, like they're with rage and they see your face of like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And yeah. It's just to see their face yeah. soften is such a gift and, and it it helps both of our days, yeah. you know, go on. It's like that quote from Ladybird that we talk about on our show all the time about paying attention and love being the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All, right, all right, Sarah, we have one more question. Yes. Uh Thank you so much for your time. But before you go, we want to ask you if you could canonize one person, uh, living or dead, Catholic or not, fiction or nonfiction, who would it be and why? So easy. So easy. <laughs> Mr. Rogers. Oh, Fred Rogers. Okay. <laughs> right, get, we why? should have seen that coming. Yeah. So, so why? Why Mr. Rogers? Because he just 
cared about children and mental health and uh, giving kids tools for the rest of their lives. And, and it all starts with being able to love yourself. You know, it's like RuPaul at the end of his show. You know, <laughs> if you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love anybody else? <laughs> and um, it's just the... Adults need to get in touch with Mr. Rogers again, you know. I, I, I tweeted, I wish there was some kind of bat signal for him because yeah. <laughs> we're living in a world that really needs his teachings right now. And I think, yeah, canonize, that means like the saints. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's it. To so make someone yeah. Saint Mr. Rogers. Saint Mr. Rogers. <laughs> Thank you so much for talking with us today. Yeah, and being so generous with your time. Yeah, this was. Thanks so much, Sarah. <laughs> Take care. Thank you, guys. Thank Bye. you. Bye. All right, now it's time for some listener feedback. So, as we mentioned earlier in the show, we're really excited to welcome Sarah Silverman on this week's show. Uh, but it also got us thinking, what kind of guests do you want to see on the show? Um, so we posed this question on our Patreon page. Um, so we're having a good discussion already about what types of guests we'd like to see on the show or what you guys would like to see on the show. So please give us your thoughts there. Patreon.com slash America Media. And shout out to our new patrons at the ambassador level. It's Maureen Windmuller, Mary Sullivan. And at the superfan level, it's Mary Cholette. Sorry if I butchered your name, Mary. All right, now it's time for Consolations and Desolations, the part of our show where we talk about where we found God this week or where it was harder to find God. Uh, what do you have, Olga? Um, so I talked a little bit about this in a previous episode after the Holy Land and kind of how I've really been coming into my own faith. As, and that trip was kind of like the cherry on top, so to speak. Um, well, this past Sunday was obviously Easter. And this was like the first year that I was super excited about Easter because I was like, I'm have grown so much spiritually in this past year and I'm feeling how present God is in my life. Um, But also it was super consoling to not just be super excited to be at this moment in my faith, but also to know that God has been there throughout the whole thing. Even if I'm only like, Oh, I'm noticing now Easter after this Holy land. So it was really consoling to know that he's just kind of been with me throughout this journey. So good. Yeah. What about you, Ashley? Um, I also have a consolation. Uh, not related to Easter. I am currently in a little mini book club with two of my colleagues. Uh, and we are, uh, Rosa, my colleague, suggested that we all read Emma. And my initial reaction was like, uh, I love Emma, but like, I've already read it before. We should read something I haven't read. Um, which is just like, this mindset I've always or have had since college of like, I need to like be efficient with my time and like only read things that are going to make me smarter. And I haven't read before. It's so very like, on brand for you. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was like the idea of reading this book that I love was like, no, like that's a waste of time. Like I need to like read something new, but I got over that and have just been reading Emma and just really loving it. And I guess the, I mean, it was hard for me. Like, I had that great experience. I'm having this great experience, and I, like, couldn't exactly pinpoint the consolation in it, which I think is, like, part of my problem of not being able to see God and things that are mm-hmm. just, like, like not means to an end, but just, like, <laughs> pleasurable things in themselves. Um, but I'm, you know, working through that and reading this book and really loving it and seeing God in this just, like, gratuitous act of reading a book for fun. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. Yeah. 
<laughs> so yeah <laughs> what do you have zach uh so I'm surprised I'm the only one that came with this, but uh, Jesus Christ Superstar was on oh, this shit. Easter weekend. Neither did I. Um, you should. John Legend was amazing. Um, but so the consolation was I watched that. Uh, I watched the replay on Hulu. Um, and oh, I didn't realize it was on Hulu. Yes, you can okay. rewatch. You can watch All it right. again. Um, but I, w- I didn't expect. I expected to be entertained, but I didn't expect to be moved in any type of spiritual way. But uh, just seeing someone depict Jesus in an artistic um way um like john legend did uh really connected me to jesus's humanity in a way that uh, i didn't think was possible like i've heard the story of jesus's passion like a lot of times before but um you know it's one thing to read that pontius pilate yelled at jesus and he didn't really say anything back it's another thing to like be zoomed in on someone's face just being having like charges screamed against them Mm. um, and seeing how they react. So the consolation there is being connected with Jesus' humanity uh, in in a medium that is surprising. Like God is present in the, in our Netflix binges and in our (laughs) television shows and in the musicals we go to um, and in the books we read. Let's not get carried away, Zach. (laughs) In all things, as we say, but that's my consolation this week. That's great. And I will make sure to see it. I really do want to. Yes. Cool. All right. Jesuitical is brought to you by America Media and produced by Eloise Blondio. Our editor is Noah Levinson. Jesuit formation provided by Eric Sundrup SJ. Engineering and design by Angelo Jesus Conta. You can follow us on Twitter at Jesuitical Show. Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite podcasts and leave us a review. Shout out this week to Cantor Lou and Catholic Lion King. And finally, send us your questions, feedback, cocktail recipes, and tell us where you found God this week at Jesuitical at americamedia.org. For America Media, I'm Ashley McKinless with Olga Segura and Zach Davis. We'll see you next week.